This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome to Gone to Texas, the podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. And my name is Nick, and I have read all of it, The Preacher. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 6 of the AMC series titled Sokosha. While we will not be spoiling any of the comic and, by extension, any future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through Season 2, Episode 6, so pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of the episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. We're also g2tpodcast on Twitter. And you can send us feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. Uh, we are running a little bit behind this week, so we're not going to go over uh, the the listener feedback, but I will say thank you to Mike once again for sending in your thoughts. Uh, I will condense them down and we can bring them up next, next week when we've got a little bit more time to yes. record. Uh, I also want to say I was on a podcast this week called Creative Common Ground uh, with a man named Jameson Shepard talking about um, uh, creatively whether or not we should share our goals with people and whether or not that makes us less likely to accomplish those things. So go give that a listen. It's on iTunes. Uh, search for Creative Common Ground and it's episode seven. You'll see my name in the title there. And I think it was pretty good. And I think you guys should listen to Jameson's show because it's a pretty good show about creativity and making yourself more creative. I follow Jameson on Twitter and he throws out a lot of interesting little like one sentence blurbs that I stop and I read and I go, hmm. Yeah. And, and he's and, and so he's kind of developed it into a little bit of a podcast and it's it's pretty interesting. It's like a 20 minute podcast where he goes over something cre- about creativity each week. So that's a great length. Yeah, I, absolutely. I really love all the podcasts I do listen to, but they're all too long. So long. <laughs> yeah, they're not even too long. They're just long. Yeah. And no. it, it's nice to find those ones that have uh, brevity. Yeah, exactly. Conciseness. Uh, so speaking of conciseness or the lack thereof, we should probably get going. This is episode six of season two titled Sokosha. Sokosha is a Japanese word that means armored car. So that makes sense. There's an armored car in this episode, so it's a Sakosha. Spoilers for armored car. Yes, there is an armored car. Opening of the episode, the teaser. We have a Japanese company offering large amounts of money for extracting something out of humans that is in the form of a white powder, seemingly via their veins, and the white powder seems to be consumable to cure some kinds of illnesses or general malaise of some kind. There's a lot of fast and loose in this teaser. What did you think about it? As far as... Uh, did, you, did you recognize what was going on? No. Okay, me uh, neither. Wh- where did this scene end? What is the te- what's the end of this the scene? This scene ends with the uh, Japanese with the, man... With the transaction swiping the credit card. Yes, and then, okay. for $2.7 million, yes. okay. which is a lot of money. Cool. So... Uh, I was intrigued. I was like... I, I thought I was watching the wrong show, actually. <laughs> like, when I queued it up and I was watching it, I like... You know, I got a few minutes, a few minutes in. Cause it's a pretty long opening scene. Yeah, and I like tapped my screen like, to like. This, this I was preacher? like, make sure this is preacher. <laughs> yeah, and then it got my confusion got compounded because I, uh, 
the 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 actor who plays um uh I think he's just credited as the technician. Okay. I recognized him right away, but I was like, what is he from? He's and from it, Heroes. Yes, it was in his voice, like it was yeah. the timbre of his voice. I was like, who is he? And then I went to look it up, and I went to IMDb, and I was like, episode six, and it it said like. Episode six, Sundowner. And I was like, wait, I thought this was called Sokosha. And then I was like looking and I was like, wait, wait. Finally, I was like, that's season one. Hold on. And I was really confused. But anyway, yes, he is. Uh, he's Ando in Heroes. And yeah. as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, Ando. Good. Yes, his name is James. Uh, uh, I forgot his last name. Starts with a K, I think. Anyway, he's great in Heroes. Yes, he is. He's and, fantastic. Uh, it was cool to see him. Absolutely, I think I think he played a very interesting part without much. Yeah, to you know, the build first upon. my first note for this episode. Usually my first notes are always terrible, and this one I just wrote. I used to give plasma. You may know me from that, <laughs> which is a uh, reference to the final sacrifice, which is, mm. in my opinion, the finest and best episode of Mystery Science Theater <laughs> three thousand, which I have seen innumerable times. Yes, uh, and so, you have at least once. Yeah, I've seen it at least once, but. Uh, and bits and pieces here and there. But um, so I guess we can talk about it in the context of what we know by the end of this episode. Sure. So this man, the, the company is extracting souls mm-hmm. and uh, they took it away from they took 15 percent of this man's soul away for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And then they go back and sell an undisclosed amount of soul to this man to give to his wife to cure her alzheimer's or dementia something like that she's standing in the living room with no pants watering a plant so it's kind of seems like some kind of dementia yeah so so and they sell it to him for 2.7 million dollars or something of that sort so it's like this seems like a very weird business that i don't know we're gonna get a ton more about yeah is Okay, so let me ask you this question, and it can be a simple yes or no. Is this soul harvesting part of the comics? No. No. Not unless it's like the tiniest subplot that I have overlooked. Okay. And I'm sure our quality assurance will let me know. <laughs> but I I was watching it. That's why, like I said, I was like, what the shit? And then by the end of the episode, I was like, I didn't like that. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we can we can uh, move on and and come back to that in a little bit when it comes back into the episode. Okay. Uh, so Act One opens with the gang bickering and arguing about several different topics, including Tulip and Jesse about who Lara is. Especially after Cassidy explains how excited Jesse was about Lara, seemingly adding more fuel to that fire mm-hmm. and more shadiness from Cassidy. In the meantime, Victor's daughter, Allie, leads the saint to Dennis's apartment, Denise's apartment complex, (laughs) excuse me, but tells the saint the wrong room, so he systematically ends up checking each apartment on the floor, killing all in his path, and a bullet from down the hall makes makes its way all the way to Denny's fridge, which tips Jesse off to the saint's presence, so they uh, flee through a window. Um, Yeah. So a little more shadiness from Cassidy. A little bit. And and it's like, it's even, it, I don't know. He's he's able to throw it out there so flippantly that it's like, it's so deceptive to me. So I I don't, I still don't really know what to make of it. Like, it's like he's putting a lot of stock into breaking them up, but also not like doing it particularly well, but extremely 
stealthily. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't really know how to explain it, and I don't know that there's much worth in explaining it that much more, but yeah, there's something weird afoot. There's there's shenanigans occurring. Um. Yeah, the saint. The other thing that I wanted to note the the there's a part where the saint chops off a head with his sword and it rolls out into the hallway. I thought those visual effects looked pretty poor. Yeah, this episode's chock full of crap CGI. Yeah, and I was like, this is unusual for this show. Yeah, usually they're they either shoot around it so that not much is required. Here, okay. I'll just say this because I have uh, I do have this note. The saint in this this particular iteration of the saint is a little bit much of like a just a totally wanton killer. Like he just kills anything. Very blunt object. Yeah, and not even but just like an out of control blunt object that's just indiscriminately killing whatever gets in his way. And I don't really like that so much because it makes I think it makes him a little less threatening in a way. And maybe I just haven't thought this train of thought through all the way because, full disclosure, I just watched this episode today because I was really super busy the last couple of days. But I just, it, you get a little desensitized to it. You're like, yeah. oh, the saint, here comes the saint. He's going to kill this guy. Like, oh, this guy's dead. This guy's toast. And so in this episode, it was a little bit of, uh, a little bit relieving to to see him actually like let someone go once he got, once he was reasoned with in a way. Yeah. But I think it's a fine line between humanizing him and keeping him the like slow threat, like a Terminator or like, you know, Jaws type of thing. Uh, although obviously the shark in Jaws will just eat anyone, but you don't, it's just not, con- there are people in Jaws that get away from it. Yeah. Like it's not always catching everyone with absolute, you know, well, the, success. I mean, it, I think we like, I think we can rationalize and be okay with his killing anybody that legitimately has had interactions with Jesse yeah, in terms yeah. of like Victor sure. and even Victor's people obviously are trying to perfect protect Victor. So him killing all of them, it's like, I get that he needs to do this to try and track Jesse down. Well, if but, someone, if someone's an aggressor towards him, I, yeah. I guess I see it. And there, there was a little bit of that with the first yeah, apartment true. he barged into because he'll do that in the book. Like if somebody takes a shot, He's not going to be like, okay, I won't like he enjoys yeah. killing people, but I guess the mission is usually the first objective. So like there are, there are scenes in the book where like he's after Jesse and somebody gets in the way and he's like, like literally it's like a force of opposition and then he's like, okay, I will kill this to get, to get closer. Yeah. But like when he's just marching through apartment to apartment to apartment, just like killing everyone inside, I was kind of like, this is boring. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I like him better. Like he's he's almost more menacing if like he just like stares people down and like let the let the actor and the atmosphere convey the threat of this guy. Yeah. Rather than just like shitty looking shitty blood CGI, and, like yeah. him walking around with a sword. It's all bloody. I was like, eh, I see that all the time in, in movies and shows. I see this kind of thing. And like the power of that character in the book. And I mean, that's a book. It's not even in motion. But some of those panels, you look at his face, and you're just like, oh, my God, I would not <laughs> step to that guy because it's yeah. so well done. Yeah. And in this show, like, it's, but Graham McTavish is an intense dude. Just show him, like, walking in and have, like, these hardcore, like, drug-dealing types, like, look at him and then point their guns and have him just look at them, and then they lower them. Like, that's so much cooler. Yeah. That's so much better than just, like, oh, blood spatter in a, in a, in 
of dummy of Steve Austin's head rolls into the hallway. <laughs> Stupid. It's just yeah. like it, and it's 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 not like this show to be just kind of like oh there this will be cool. Yeah, I didn't need that. I, just, I think there's better ways to to express the menace of this character. I I can totally agree with that. It wasn't something that had struck me in the time, but it like it. You putting those pieces together in front of me is like, yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense. He's, like, just he's, not, not, he's not the kind of guy to like waste bullets, I suppose. Even though he does kill people by the truckload in the book, it just feels a little bit more of a decision than just like a reflex. Yeah. And in this, it feels like he's just like, yeah, kill everybody in this hallway if I got That's what I got to do. Yeah. But like, you don't need to do that. Just look around. Kill these people in these apartments that I'm barging in on that don't have the person that right, I'm looking exactly. for. So it's, yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to note. I don't know. I, I mean, this is the most we really get to look at the Saints so far this episode, and 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 I feel like for some reason they like wanted Clancy Brown but couldn't get him. <laughs> so they they oh, they made cool. it Graham McTavish and gave him a beard. Like it doesn't even necessarily like it doesn't look like Graham McTavish to me. It looks like Clancy Brown. That's funny. Which is it's it's weird, and I don't really know. He looked different in this episode. He, they gave him like some under eye. Yeah, and like. He, he he his face looks different than it has in past episodes. Like in in earlier episodes, we've seen his face. Yeah, and it just kind of looks like Graham McTavish. In this one, there was something kind of funny going on. Yeah. So I, I did wonder. I was like, he does look a little different. Maybe Graham was busy that day, and they got Clancy to come. Just step in. Step in. And the Kurgan. <laughs> I uh, you know what Clancy Brown would have actually been pretty awesome. I never yeah. would have thought of that. I I think Graham McTavish is great. Uh, yeah. That, that caught me by surprise. I was like, that's weird casting. Yeah. But he's good. Yeah. He's got the he's got the voice down. I think he's doing a fine job. Yeah. It just really struck me that he like he he looks like the spitting image of what my brain thinks of Clancy Brown. Yeah. Like. Clancy Brown would have been really cool, but I think had had they been like had they announced Clancy Brown is going to be the Sandy Killers, I might have been a little bit like, well, that's a little bit more predictable. Yeah, he's got he's got that signature voice. Yep. Absolutely. So Graham McTavish is a cool choice. Yeah. No, I'm not faulting him at all. Uh, there was some more Denis French that didn't necessarily seem particularly important. Uh, he does say, "I'm not a child. I don't need you to do my laces." When Cassidy goes to, to yeah, sh- to I, d- I did read laces. that after the fact. Uh, and then when Tulip is spelling out names on the pancakes, she puts everybody's names. She put Jess on Jesse's. She put Cassidy on Cassidy's, but it's C A S A D E E, not Cassidy. Yeah, Cassidy as we would normally spell it. It's funny. So I thought that was pretty good. I really liked the. Uh, this is the only note I have from their conversation. Sometimes the uh, the overlapping arguments between them don't work as fluidly as others. Yeah, and this one felt a little disjointed i know it's kind of supposed to but it didn't it didn't feel that natural to me but i love their constant use of cassidy as like the will poke fun at this machine yeah like they just use him to like make fun of stuff like yep. big lebowski and that and i loved his zoom in on the serial yeah his csi that zoom was in. hysterical <laughs> and they just kept kept driving it home over and over and over and over and yep. i didn't get sick of it i was like this is really funny they could literally be copy pasting the same audio and just laying it yeah. over and that made me laugh harder <laughs> yeah. like it was just really really funny tulip even says to him like what shows are you talking about like space or like you know like and then he's like well you know obviously we're not gonna do that we'll just take it on down to the circus works and or yeah circuit works and have the dork docs take a look at it which is like (laughs) (laughs) they're weird it's either like he doesn't care that it's called best buy or obviously they couldn't say best buy in the show which i thought was pretty that could just be what he calls it and you know exactly yeah Yeah. totally 
So that was pretty good. That yeah, was great. Uh, anything else in Act 1? No. All right. Act 2, the gang find out that Fiora died at the hands of the saint. So they instead go to the library to do some research on the saint. Uh, they learn that the saint fought for the South in the Civil War and that he lost his family to disease, shattering his soul into a million pieces. And as they discuss potential weaknesses, Cassidy remembers Denis, who just arrived home and is accosted by the saint when Jesse uses the word over the phone to distract the saint. Not necessarily use the word on the saint, but to let him know that he's there and that he's on his way. Yeah. Um, not a ton here, but we did get the backstory of the saint, which I think was kind of cool. Did you feel satisfied is this similar to what we know about the saint from the comics yeah it's it's almost verbatim okay it's it's pretty pretty damn close i really loved that they used the actual cover from the saint of killers uh book that was really funny they had cassidy had some comic book pages too do you know if they were actual those i think those were not okay because the dialogue was a little different yeah but the uh i could be mistaken but the co- I, all I know is the cover straight up. I was like, that's it. And that's, that's pretty awesome. awesome. Well, all of the depictions of him that are in there looked like they could either be like, you know, art from from Dylan or yeah. even just like conceptual art or like. Yeah, I forgot the name of the on. artist who did all the covers. I, I actually feel bad that I can't remember. But uh, Dylan did all the interiors and uh, they had a different artist for the covers. And it was always really fun to get a new issue and look at the cover because... They don't really look so much like Dylan's art, but they do. It's really interesting. Glenn Fabry yes. is the, the cover artist. So like he, he made... They all look a little more human. They look a little more real than Dylan's art. Yeah, Dylan's art is very distinct, and it fits the world perfectly, but the covers were always kind of cool and eerie because they, they looked almost like real people. Like He made Jesse look a lot like Johnny Depp in a lot of them, and they all look more like real people would. So it's kind of cool to look at them all. And uh, he did for the final six issues, I think each cover was just like a portrait of like six of the main characters. It was like Jesse, Tulip, Cassidy, Hairstar, uh, and I've forgotten the other two. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, so this sequence, this is a... I, I want to break in real quick. Uh, Fabry and Dylan did comic book covers or con- the, the, the comic book covers that they had previously made with the actors in place for AMC. Yes. And they're on amc.com yeah. slash preacher for people. To yeah. He, he did a really, uh, Steve Dillon got to do a really cool one of like all of them at a bar. Yeah. Uh, that was really neat yep. before he unfortunately passed away. Yeah. Um, but so this sequence, this is a, this is a, a kind of a, kind of a quicksand thing. If you start to bring this into the real world. So I kind of like the way they did it. I kind of, think it's interesting that the saint of killers would become this like tall tale who's like permeated the real world and you can just go to the library and find all this information yeah. on him but at the same time it's a little confusing because they're they have a pretty uh accurate description of his hell experience in that book and i was like how does anyone know this yeah like, i was wondering how that bled into the into the text and some of that left me a little unsatisfied because the way it's done in the comic is really funny and it's really in line with kind of the, the, just the, the overall vibe of preacher. Hmm. And it's basically the, the panel that I sent you a long time ago of the, the glorious angel showing up and then Jesse telling him to cut the shit. And and then you see, it's like 
what, just normal yeah. yeah like what Fior or whoever it was really looks like and Jesse pretty much just like uses the word and says like tell me about the the scene of killers and then they just spill their guts and they just tell him everything but it's it's done in a way that works yeah and like exposition is usually like sloppy but if if jesse literally commands somebody to tell him they're gonna tell him and so you have this nice tool built into the show where you can have a scene like that happen and while it was kind of interesting to watch them all go to the library it just felt a little goofy yeah to just be like oh well, here let's go to let's go to the new orleans library and here's this section on oh famous uh hell killers you know what yeah. I mean? Because they all come up with material. They're all working at the same time. And I was like, this seems like a really niche thing. Yeah. Because like Jesse knows what shop to go to for like the soul later. Mm-hmm. If he had gone to some other specialized place that would have these kind of texts or like, um, I forgot his name again, but we talked about him before and I forgot his name then too. Uh, the guy who married his folks, uh, his name's like Mike. Mike. Yeah, Mike. I think it's Mike. Uh, somewhere like that. Yeah. That would make more sense, but just the whole library, I was like, it feels like they didn't want to be sloppy with exposition, but it, it ended up feeling they that kind way. of shot themselves in the foot because they killed Fior. Yeah, and- I would rather it would have been it would have been more satisfying to have one of the angels tell him because then yeah. you you know that that is the truth and not like a textbook adaptation because it's kind of strange that they can just read this like incredibly accurate story of this man. <laughs> And and then like it's the truth. It's it hasn't been you know diluted by history or like by yeah. you know telephone of people relaying the stories. So that that didn't sit super well. But I was like, whatever. Like we got it out of the way, I guess. And and now we know about the saint. Yeah, there's a little bit of that too later on that I'm gonna bring up. But it, it feel it feels a lot like they. Uh, I guess it's kind of deus ex machina of just like this, the circumstance of the situation led them to do it this way and it just happens to be right. And yeah, it was, it definitely was like, it feels like there was like a meeting and they were like, okay, we need to talk about the Saint of killers. How do we do it? Well, he shows up and then they decide we have to deal with this problem now, finally, rather than, you know, deal with it later. Rather than waiting another episode. Right. Cause they just, the characters even have kind of been putting it off and being yeah. like, eh, don't worry about it. He won't find us. And it's kind of like, and then Jesse keeps using the word and right and then he shows up eventually so yeah there there are some other things later on that also don't necessarily jive as well but that the scene like I didn't I didn't mind it but I feel like in general when comparing this show against the comics I haven't very often thought they could have done it better yeah it's generally like they did it differently but I get why yeah and this is one of those instances where I don't understand why they did it the way they did it that's that's fair uh, nice little dig into Dick Cheney there with the American Psychopaths <laughs> audiobook. That was uh, funny. I was waiting. I was like, who are they going to, who are they going <laughs> to, who else are I was expecting to see like the next volume of the tape would say somebody else. Yeah. It'd be like Steve Jobs or something Cheney, like that. Cheney was not who I expected and it just made me laugh. I was like, cause that's like a very like 2008, 2010 joke to make yeah. and yep. hearing it now just made me laugh. Cause I was like, I'm old enough that I laugh at this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it for that act. Did you have anything else? I was under the impression that the Mumbai Sky Tower was on the way to New Orleans, not in New Orleans, but I don't, 
Yeah, I was too. I I cuz I I'm pretty certain there was some driving after the Fior episode to get to New Orleans, but it Yeah, and that's another It all seemed pretty trivial anyway. That's another bit of just, there's a little just inconsistency with time yeah. even in this episode. I was it felt like they drove like they like they ran on foot yep. to like a payphone. Yep. <laughs> I was like, well, so they're not that far. Yeah. And then they yeah, it was just it was interesting. Yeah. All right, Act 3, Jesse convinces the saint to let Denis go and lets the saint know that he's not working for God because God is gone. After they watch Mark Herrlich's audition tape, (laughs) Jesse convinces the saint that he can get the saint into heaven by getting him a soul. The saint gives him about an hour, but the rest of the gang have to stay behind as collateral. Still, still great that we're not letting go of Mark Harlick's audition tape. No, it's beautiful, <laughs> and the fact that we—that's even a sentence—is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I don't know that there's a whole lot. Uh, Jesse, Jesse's able to convince the saint by saying, "You can't kill me because if you do, then the deal is dead. Is is done." Mm-hmm. The deal that the saint made with the angels, and I went back and watched episode nine when the angels go down to hell to get the saint. And they don't necessarily cut him a deal. They don't even explicitly say anything like, we'll get you into heaven. They just kind of offer him the ability to get out of hell to do this job for them. So I don't necessarily, like when, when Jesse says the, the deal would be done if you killed me, it's like, oh, he'll go back to hell. I guess it's making more sense as I'm saying it. Because at first I was kind of like, I didn't think there was necessarily a deal. But the idea is then that if, if the saint achieves his job, then maybe he'll have to just go back to hell by the angel's command. Yeah. When, in fact, Jesse is offering him the opportunity to get into heaven. Yes. So I just talked myself out of the problem that I had. With that's that. good. So that's good. You're a wonderful help. <laughs> uh, anything else about this act? It's pretty short. Uh, I just liked watching the saint pick up a cell phone. Yeah. I thought that was funny. And, yeah. w- and watch a TV. Yeah, I was t- waiting for the reverse shot of them sitting on the couch next to each other watching it. The fact <laughs> that they were standing, I was like, again, good, but put them in the, in the couch. Like, have them sitting down. Yeah. And so... <laughs> like him, like, with his coat and, like, his, his like, <laughs> the sword is at like, his side. Yeah. yeah, I just thought, here's a great opportunity for, like, the exact type of humor <laughs> this show goes for. Just, like, an easy sight gag. And I would have laughed my ass off. That was the, so this is part of what I was talking about with the uh, the idea that they very you, you brought up that they kind of very factually find the story of the saint in the library in this scene the saint very matter of factly accepts the fact that he's looking at a television and then also agrees that that is evidence that God is gone mm-hmm. which feels sloppy to me again yep. like it it doesn't really. Uh, nothing about the way it's presented to me feels like it would be convincing for a man who basically is number one, completely not of this time. Yes. And number two has no reason to believe that God is gone, you know? Uh, and, and not, not that I want the saint to be like, what is this magic box in front of me? Because he doesn't give a fuck. Like right. he, he's obviously walking down the street with a bunch of cars around him. None of that phases him at all, which is totally cool. But the idea that he just buys at face value what Jesse is telling him makes him feel very gullible. But it's not like he would be extremely intelligent either. So yeah, if so, this is the inevitable potential problem with the scene of killers is 
he's just kind of a tricky character to really get right. And the more they do him, I love it. Like, obviously, the entire first season of our show, I was like, can't wait for yeah. this big dude coming down the line. I didn't even want to call him by his name. Yep. Because he's amazing. But the more we get of him in the show, the more nervous I get that, like, it's it's deviating in ways that aren't beneficial. Yeah. And I, I totally understand what you're saying. He's Because he's not stupid in the books either. Yeah. He's, like, scary. He's just scary on every level because he's, like... You know, you know when you were a kid and you bought like superhero cards and on the back it had like fighting, intelligence, yeah. stamina, energy, and it was like all different. He's like a 10 in every category. <laughs> he's the Tommy Jarvis. He's, of... Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, he's on. To bring he's, it around to Friday the 13th. Yes, if, the if that game. helps you. <laughs> he, uh, no, he's, yeah, that's that. He's maxed out and he's got all the buffs and he's like the ultimate killer. I mean, to the point where in the books, like there's three angels that, that work together to like, you're not supposed to touch him. Like he's he's like an indentured kind of servant type thing, and like he's used for like the dirtiest of tasks. And the three angels go down there by themselves, and he just straight up kills one right off the bat. Yeah, like they bring him back, and he just wastes one of them. The other two are like, "Oh my god!" And he's like, "Who are you? And what do you want?" Like <laughs> he's just irritated they woke him up, basically. Yeah. And then it's it's uh, it's Fiora and DeBlanc are the other two, and I always liked that he, that direct interaction with the angels. I loved the scene in in season one when yeah. Fiora and the blanket to talk to him. I was like, this this is funny because I love watching them interact with him. But you can tell he's like you said, he doesn't care, but he's also kind of with it. Like he gets technology and stuff, I yeah. suppose, but it just doesn't really matter. Doesn't yeah, phase him. And and in in the show, it's not like we're given any context that he's been pulled out of hell before, right? Or exactly. Like exactly. That. I don't so think he has been. I think not, he's literally been down there. Yeah. And so, like, it, it, the idea that they would play him as very accepting of what Jesse is just very plainly telling him—not that Jesse's necessarily lying by any stretch of the imagination, because he's not. Right. But Jesse, or, or the saint. The saint appears dumb, and it's not because of the fact that he's technologically not with it. Well, the other the other thing that has to be that hasn't been established in the show really, because in the books, when he and Jesse finally have their little powwow, he pretty much like lays it on the line like this. The saint hates God, like he has a vendetta against God, and so he's he knows God and he doesn't trust God, and I think he's very like wary of any of these heavenly or like uh underworld powers like he he knows he can't trust either of them because ultimately they're 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 looking out for themselves yeah so when jesse like he and jesse are in the books they're kind of almost cut from the same cloth like they don't they've both been wronged and they they, they find some kinship in yeah it. and it's kind of again it kind of goes back to that like kind of john wayne thing where they're they're too like they're two like men of action and they kind of size each other up and they kind of see something. They don't like each other, yeah. but they, they, they have some common ground that they're like, you know, we can, we understand each other. Mike brought this up almost verbatim in one of his emails. Okay. Essentially that like they, they find a mutual respect for each other yes. despite exactly. their differences. Exactly. And then at times in the book, they, and this isn't really much of a spoiler, but sometimes they, they put aside their differences and they kind of are, they both want to find God in the end. Like that's kind of the goal because I think the saint, wants to basically confront him about like, why did you do this horrible thing to my family? And Jesse is like, you know, everything we already know Jesse's after. Yep. So it's not, it's not quite as like, I need to see evidence. It's more about the power of like Jesse's just ability to explain the situation and like look a man in the eye and you'll get a vibe for like his grit, so to speak. Well, and if we knew that the saint in the show had familiarity with God and his people beforehand, I would be more willing to, think that he could buy it with this evidence with the tape yeah Yeah, no for sure 
Yeah, because he. Uh, yeah, we don't talk about it anymore. But That's, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, when I, when he says prove it, I was like, well, how's he gonna do that? Because yeah. it was the same thing with the soul. Like, get me a soul in an hour, and I was like, how, how's he gonna do that? Yeah. But like, yeah, prove it was uh, was strange. Yeah. That's why I still kind of wish there was an angel character floating around in New Orleans who was like a bartender. Mediate. Yeah, somebody that they keep coming back to to like squeeze for inf- information, and he's you know what I mean? Yeah. Played totally. by played by somebody who was like you know plays like squirrely guys yeah. like you and Bremner or somebody <laughs> like that. Like it would have been good. Scoot McNary. Yeah. <laughs> good old good old Scoot. <laughs> All right. Uh, is that good for Act Three? Sure. All right. Act Four. Jesse finds Papa Bibi's house of voodoo to buy a soul, but Papa Bibi and the rest of his de- of the dealers in the area have been pushed out by the Japanese who conveniently pull up outside. The truck is soundproof, so Jesse can't use the word to get in. He improvises an explosive from the hardware store, but it doesn't work. However, it does draw the attention of a cop that he uses to chase down and open up the truck. Jesse finds that the Saint's soul is very rare and that they don't have any matches on the truck, but Jesse tests himself and finds out that his own soul is a match. Uh, Simultaneously, Cassie, Cassie reveals to Tulip that Denis is actually his son. And Tulip tries to appeal to uh, Jesse as well as the saint that Denis needs his medicine, but it falls on deaf ears to both of them. The saint lifts Tulip up by the neck when she mentions his family, and she appears visibly shaken by being touched by the saint. Uh, so a couple things here. Papa BB says, or I don't, the, I guess just the title that they pop up when they look at the side of the uh, armored truck says Tamashi Urashiku Iku Iku which they roughly translate to hap- soul happy go-go. I did a look at the kanji that's on the, 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 the van, and the first two add up to um, kofuku, which means happiness or blessedness. And then the second one would be tamashi for soul. The fourth and fifth are repeated, but they don't mean go, so that bothers me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they actually phonetically come out to sounding. They, they're pronounced go, but they're not. They don't mean go they don't mean iku iku actually like so that that it was weird oh. but a little bit of japanese they don't know who they're there. messing with yeah exactly japanese scholar here it's not it, w- it wouldn't be that hard you know it wouldn't be that hard maybe I don't that's know part why of the joke. choice maybe i i don't actually think so <laughs> i think that it was probably just like yeah who cares yeah like yeah. It's, it's close enough and it makes me laugh it looks japanese yeah, okay exactly fine. Which is like it's like when people get a Japanese tattoo. Uh, absolutely, and that's why I was kind of thinking maybe that's the joke. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, language like that is is interesting because at the end of the day, like we we look at we look at letters and we think like those are words, but they're just they're symbols that yeah. have phonetic sounds. Yeah, so it it, it is it is interesting. Yeah, but so th- that part made me chuckle. I was like, yeah, all right. no, yeah. I mean, I th- I think it's a great because I'm a dummy who company. speaks American. Yeah, it, I, I think I think it worked out fine, but it's just a little bit of. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this whole uh, first chunk of this was the fact that he could say I'm Jesse Longell yes. and it like it me it carries some, some serious weight. Yep, and I was like, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so I mean, that kind of led me to wonder. I got the inkling as I watched this episode. I was like, I feel like this soul stuff isn't in the book. Mm. Like I just had that feeling. Right. So when he tied it into his family name, his mother's name. I was kind of like, well, maybe I don't know. So obviously, we'll come back to that later a little bit. But it, the fact that he used that name and it had cachet with like the voodoo shop owners yeah, in the yeah. area was was very interesting. Um, 
but yeah, other than that, I liked the list of names that they that they brought. I think he called Normianas was one, and then the second one he asked about was Scratchy's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the Scratchy's Voodoo Shop or something yeah. like that. I thought it was funny. I I do kind of like this weird like jesse custer supernatural detective angle that's kind of been thrown <laughs> it's in kind here. of constantini yeah exactly so yeah. i figured that would that you would enjoy that it's, i like it quite a bit uh one of the other things i wanted to note, and i forgot to note in the first act the rich house that the japanese man goes to uh-huh. is actually the house from american horror, Sto- horror story coven which is funny because i've oh, been that watching cool. that recently sure and then on top of that when i was watching the second time with subtitles popped in the um uh, Papa BB brings up when he's talking about the different shops that have closed. He, he there's uh, the closed captions say Marie Laveau's. Oh, really? But he doesn't actually say it in the episode, like it was cut or something oh, like but that. But it remained in the captions. But it remained in the captions, which I thought was funny because that's a historical figure and played by Kathy Bates on, on yeah, American yeah. Horror Story. Exactly. Coming. So have you I, finished that season? Yeah, it, I just finished it recently. It's great. But it was very good. It was very good. Uh, but this is an American Horror Story. No. This is Preacher. Uh, yeah. I have to say, although it feels very fast and loose and nonsensical and it's not connected to the book, all of the soul extraction stuff feels really cool to me. <laughs> it's It ultimately feels very meaningless, but the idea that they have these companies... That, like, Papa BB gets pissed at the Japanese guys who brought all the technology into the industry right. and figured out how to fractionate the souls and stuff like that. It's ridiculous, and it 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 seemingly doesn't carry much weight in the canon of of preacher, but and it feels really silly, and it feels kind of out of place too. But I like it, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. I mean, I you know, I I fully understand any gripes that you would have with it, that you would take with it, but I think. I think it could lead somewhere cool if they actually like made yeah. sense out of it somehow, but I don't see that coming. Do you have any? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it right now. Yeah, I don't like it right now. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere right now. It does feel like kind of a one and done thing, even though that would be bizarre. Yeah, it just. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't really know. It it feels like a lot of the show has been like throwing out wild ideas and then reining them in and buffing off the edges to make them fit. Yeah. And this just feels like an idea they threw out where they were like they they put that square that circle that square peg into a circle hole essentially. It it feels very haphazardly thrown in. It feels like the entire the only purpose it serves is to get a portion of soul into the saint that's Jesse's so that they are like completely bound to each other now and i while that is cool that it's a cool device and it's it's a really interesting way to make these two characters kind of forge together and now they have to coexist uh i just don't think it's necessary they took a big detour to get to a place that currently feels yeah meaningless that that feels like the only function of that yeah And, and then so okay even if that only served the one function it just is so like insane that i can't quite wrap my head around it like there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in this show but it all feels motivated and it feels like there's some sort of explanation or like even if there's not that it like like how is how is genesis stored in like the coffee tin yeah 
I don't care because mm-hmm. it works. Like it just is the kind of thing that fits and I just kind of accept it. I like look at it and the way they treat it, it feels like it all makes sense and I don't need the explanation. But with this, I'm like extracting someone's soul is not the kind of thing that you can just kind of like say like, this is what we do and we just draw it out with a hypodermic needle. It doesn't, it, it just feels, well, and, I have, and, and they even have like a little, like a briefcase with like all this all this shit in it that feels like the briefcase from Inception. <laughs> but the thing is, I don't in Inception, I don't care. I just accept it. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It he, has a very simple purpose, though. Right. It's like this has drugs to put you to sleep into the same dream together, essentially. Or some some kind of contraption to do that, essentially. Right, and that's insane. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It's nuts. But I accept it. And it has it has no it has no explanation. They're like, this is the machine that does it. And and then you're like, okay. You just move on because you suspend your disbelief enough. And with this show, for some reason, I, I suspend my disbelief with almost everything that happens. And maybe that's because a lot of it is drawn from the source material and I have already been kind of conditioned to accept the extraordinary. But this particular uh, device of the show feels just uh, not not tied to anything. Let it, me l- it, it feels like, a like you said, a, a deus ex machina to be like, how do we get a soul out of Jesse into, into the same? Yeah, and I would have rather it... It would have made more sense to me to do like some sort of ritual or something that would do it like that. And maybe that's just because that's how it would be presented otherwise, like in, a, in another movie or, or another show. All right. I'll take you on a journey. The Inception briefcase, to me, if we take for granted that most of the brain's interactions are chemical, mm-hmm. the idea that we could simulate people being into each other's dreams by connecting them together with some sort of chemically manipulative dream doesn't or a machine doesn't feel that like it, it feels like a ridiculous idea but there's logic there and it's applied there and it, and it kind of makes a rough amount of sense if you suspend suspend your disbelief the idea that there's a machine that finds this thing that we've mostly been able to understand as humans that is not physical and can extract it from your physical body that's the failure of like that's where they need it to be connected to like these are a bunch of fallen angels doing this or some they need to connect it to the larger like right mythos of what's going on in order for us to buy it properly and because they don't do that at all the one place they kind of maybe do do it is that it's seemingly born out of a voodoo ritual yeah from from what we get out of Jesse going to the voodoo shop, he knows that they're into this. Although he spouts a bunch of technological stuff that it sounds like he knows what we saw in that first scene of this this episode. But it feels like they made it a joke about the Japanese coming in and making it very technical, mm-hmm. which then removes all of that cachet from it too. So I fully understand where you're coming from, and and it. I I completely agree. Like it. Well, yeah, that's actually just very well put. So I, the the whole the whole uh, even the hint that Jesse's past involves like dealing in souls. Uh, the it's just just in Jesse's just an ordinary guy mm-hmm. in the book. Like he's just a, with an extraordinary gift in in Genesis. Yeah, and that's part of what makes it work so well. He's like a simple dude. And if we're getting into this idea that he has been, he spent his life 
surrounded by these like supernatural ideas and like these crazy spiritual yeah uh, you know black market it removes a little bit of what makes him the every man yes yeah exactly and I'm not ruling it out yet. I think it could be presented in a very cool way. Yeah. But the, and like you said, it kind of tickled that Constantine bone that runs through you and Kumail Nanjiani, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys yeah. you guys share that. Love. Yes, we do. No, uh, you made me like that movie, so it's fine. <laughs> it's one of the gifts you've given me. Yes. Uh I, I like I'm I'm very cool with all that stuff. I love like comics with supernatural angles. I love uh, those kind of movies, like uh, I really like stuff that deals with the uh, the supernatural and especially like exorcisms and stuff like that. I th- I love that kind of fiction, but I need that presented up front. Yeah. And it feels it feels like we started off with a season of preacher that established Jesse as like a pretty regular guy who happens to be kind of a badass, but he uh, he's for the most part just man. Yeah. And if we're kind of taking this weird detour now into like he was raised you know extracting souls because he says like family business he knows about this kind of stuff it may not work it may not land and and it's not because it's not from the book it just feels like a sudden shift in the front half of the season this is essentially the halfway point now the first five episodes feel very in line with the jesse that has been established and this one just felt like this weird kind of like "Eh, let's try this and i'm just not sure where it's going yet yeah and i I may totally i may eat my words at the end of this season it sounds like when we start to get more about the langels and jesse explains more of that to tulip because i presume like i don't think he can let that hang just in the air and tulip will take it for granted um I think we will hopefully get more on it and hopefully they do it in an elegant way. Although elegant isn't the way that I would describe Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, but maybe, <laughs> right. maybe Sam Catlin will Sometimes come in and Sometimes they are, the though. That's the thing. Yeah, that's some true. T- some stuff in the show has been explained away so well. Yeah. Even even if it's like mostly nonsense, yeah. it still works yeah. really, really well. And just there's a lot of, there are a lot of bumps in this episode. Yeah. All uh, avocado avocado toast made me laugh really hard. <laughs> that that, that yeah. cracked me up. The Japanese guys listening yeah. to that or watching the video. The uh, last thing, just uh, Denis being Cassidy's son. Yeah. Huge bomb. Didn't see it coming. No. I'm sure somebody on Reddit did. And yeah. because I don't read the subreddit, I'm happy that I don't because that completely caught me, out, caught me off guard and I thought it was wonderful. And it's exactly the kind of tragic... Uh, vampire uh, avoided uh, uh, afforded by Cassidy being an eternal being yeah it's 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 a kind of tragic subplot that Cassidy has like a dozen of okay. and I think it's really cool I think it's great too because it makes Tulip see him in a different light that's yeah. gonna make her more welcoming to him because there's still kind of that distance between them. Yeah. And I think now she's going to almost kind of look on him with like a little bit more understanding. He's going to be a little bit more human to her to think like, oh, he actually has like kin in this world yeah. and somebody who he was responsible for and he let down. And I think that that, that kind of quality might be interesting to her. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say I uh, as I started the episode, I watched it a little bit late. So I was like, oh, maybe somebody's already translated the, the Denis French. And I clicked on the like open thread on the on the subreddit. And the first thing I saw was that Denis was Cassidy's son. So I oh, ruined it for myself. Bummer. However, I still like 
my eyes welled up a bit at that moment because it's just such a beautifully tragic thing that I know, and he doesn't even speak his language. Yeah, like how insane. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I have a feeling Denise speaks English or at least understands it, but yeah. just doesn't. He doesn't care to. He keeps that that wall up between them intentionally. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I said, yeah, I said English that time, not American. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh, we're learning here. Not a whole lot else to talk about there. That was a whole lot to talk about. So, yeah. Um, all right. So then act five, Jesse runs into the apartment just late enough for Cassidy to lose his fingers on the saint's sword as he goes to kill Tulip in another bout of terrible animation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Popping off like hot dogs. (laughs) It looked looked terrible. It looked like it it looked like they ran out of time to render it and they were just like, send it out. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, Tulip wonders how Jesse knows how to get a soul. And Jesse just says it was the family business. And as Tulip takes Denis and Cassie to the hospital, Jesse turns the soul over to the saint who then realizes it's part of Jesse's soul. Uh, Upon ingesting the soul, Jesse confirms his secret theory that Genesis requires the subject to have a soul in order to work. Uh, After disarming the saint, he threatens to send him to hell, but the saint retorts by explaining it'll be with part of Jesse's soul. Jesse instead sinks him into the Angelville swamps. I don't know if you noticed that, but there's a sign on the freeway as they're headed there that said Angelville. Oh, I didn't see that. Uh, so he's close. Yep. Uh, in the back of the armored car, and then he hides the weapons in Denise's bathroom. Cassidy notices Tulip's thousand-yard stare, but she kind of shrugs him off. Um. Yeah. So, as I was saying, I don't think Tulip's just going to let it go that that was part of the family business. I think we're going to have to come to a head there. They can't just let that sit. Yeah, she's suspicious. Um. But then, on top of that, so, Jesse, how do you feel about Jesse's kind of secret? Jesse behind the scenes putting together the idea that if he has a soul, like he posits the question earlier on in the episode of like, what is different about the saint mm-hmm. than everybody else that makes it so that Genesis doesn't work on him? And then we learn that the saint doesn't have a soul. But if you're not smart like me, like if you are if you are unintelligent like me, then you don't realize that that's what they're setting up. Oh, no, I don't I don't think that I mean I didn't I didn't think of that either it's, because I was still scratching my head like yeah, white doesn't it work on him. Yeah. So so there's precedent for that in the books. Like there's a character that the the word does not work on initially, but then it gets undone and you find out why and it makes total sense. Okay. Is it because of the soul? No. Or no. Okay. So maybe they're kind of playing with that a little bit, but as you said, it seems like quite a detour to take. In order to explain away a problem that's not in the comics. Yeah, I just don't see th- the point. Other than... Other, other than setting up that, to, that to duality. M- to make them, yeah, be bound to each other. Yeah. And I don't think you even need that. I think that part of what makes the character of, of Jesse work is just that his ability to reason with and uh, and you know deal with people without needing the word, necessarily. Yeah. Like when he uses it in the book, it's for the most part just a matter of efficiency. Like I just got to get right to the, I got to cut the shit basically and get down to this. Or like I need to make, I need to make somebody stop what they're doing because they're not going to listen to me otherwise. Yeah. For the most part, I think, especially with a character like the saint who has kind of a tragic backstory, he would 
rather just talk to him. He does yeah. use the word on him, but he. I just think that that's that's more interesting. Yeah, and that's that's a better character. Yeah, and I know last week I spent some time talking about how maybe uh, the reason a lot of Jesse's faults ex- that exist in the show exist is to make him more relatable. And I I still stand by that, but I think they don't they don't always need to like take him in these weird directions. Like initially, he's like he's kind of pumped when he like gets the saint under his control, yeah. Almost like he's a kid who has like a feral animal under his control, and he's like, "Cool, what am I gonna do with this mm-hmm. thing?" You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna turn him loose, and yeah. then he's like, "Oh, never mind, I'm gonna send him to hell." Yeah. And then the saint's like, "Yeah, go for it, idiot." <laughs> and he's kind of <laughs> like, "Oh, maybe I made a mistake by putting my soul in this thing." Yeah. So. In that moment, uh, he says he'll send the saint to hell, but the saint beckons that it'll be with his own soul. And there's a sound cue that you previously mentioned. Oh, my God. Okay. So they're just beating us over the head with it now. <laughs> it was cool before when it was an Easter egg or like a little foreshadowing. And now it's like... It's been in every it's other like episode. It's like cartoonish. He may as well have like looked down the lens <laughs> like at the viewer. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Do you a, hear like, that? <laughs> like a soap opera or something. Exactly. Yeah. It was like it was too much. And now, now I'm kind of like... Okay, let's just get there. And I think we're going to. I think the yeah. next episode, especially with what you just revealed about the sign, ooh, the sign that said Angelville. I must have missed it because I sometimes I try to skip the commercials a bit and yeah. I, I end up missing like the first 5 seconds of a scene. Yeah, and here's the thing is that he Jesse goes there, drops off the the uh armored truck and then comes back to Denise. So it's not necessarily yeah, like we, end there. we are progressing to there, but it's Within the vicinity. Like yeah, it's, it's within it's, driving distance. Yeah. I know. I was hoping like that shot of him walking down the road. I was like, cool. End there, please. Because yeah. I want him to get intercepted by mm. somebody or like decide to make a detour. But then, yeah, he just bagged the apartment. Bagged the was apartment, like, putting stuff away. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I had to double check it because and that was what you're doing as you what I was doing as you walked in today was I went back to the him seeing the poster for the Angelville mm-hmm. something with his symbol on his back there and they play the sound. It's like the sound of like a chain on like a gear system or something. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but like, I know how to describe it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. I know you know how it's just not coming to you. <laughs> All right. All right. That's fair. It, it's not, it's nothing that doesn't exist in the real world. Yeah. And I, I, it's, I, I know the sound. I just can't. Right. I can't find the words apparently. So, uh, yeah, Cassidy replaces Denise's old TV with a new one and a PlayStation, which seemed kind of it. It it's a I I hope that's not the button on the Cassidy Denise relationship. You know, it might be based on kind of how Cass and like his stories work. It may be, but and that may feel sort of unsatisfactory. But but it makes sense. It makes sense, and it's a it's a symptom of a larger problem. Yeah, I definitely like. I kind of chuckled because I was like, "This is just kind of gross." He's like, uh, "Yeah, it's the it's a parent who's not there buying you things to make you feel better yeah. about them." <laughs> For sure, it's so bad. <laughs> it's so it's so. But your kid happens to be seemingly it, older than you. It's <laughs> so gross. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, this is a bummer," and even the look on Tulip's face is kind of like. She's still processing, I think, what what this means and how Cassidy just kind of is like he shows a moment of like remorse because he can't communicate with him very much. But yeah. then he just kind of acts like it's just it is what it is kind yeah. of thing. And and you can only say that for so for so long about so many things. And I think she's still kind of like turning that over in her head, too. 
T- tulips, tulips, kind of uh, thousand yard stare, as I put it, to me, it feels like I, it, I feel like something happened to her when the saint touched her. Did you get that vibe? Because, because, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. not only like she, she comes back in and tells Cassidy at the time that that the saint had touched her, and then when Jesse sees her, he very much remarks on like that. I'm like, are you okay? Like she seems visibly shaken by things, which is understandable given the circumstances. But still, yeah. Tulip's been pretty unflappable. Mm-hmm. So to see her like this makes me feel like there's some lasting ramifications from even just being touched by the saint. I don't know if it's like her coming in contact with her own mortality or what. Yeah, perhaps. But uh, she definitely lives life, you know, freely. Yep. By the seat of her pants, so yep. to speak, and and being in direct physical contact with pretty much like an unstoppable force of essentially murder. death. Yeah. yeah. It may be a little shocking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I and that's just another tiny thing in this episode that I was like, mm, why? You know what I mean? Yeah. We're having a hard time concentrating with the show. I think. Like once again, I'm like, hey, psst, you gotta find God. Like that's what it's about, really. And I don't. Yeah. I, again, I know I was greedy for an episode and a lot, a lot more about the saint, and so it's kind of sucks that I'm sitting here now, kind of grousing about it. Yeah. And it it wasn't. This is by no means like my least favorite episode of the series, but it was. I think it was the least interesting, maybe, because it it did raise some questions you know i have more questions now now that we're talking it out yeah but after watching it initially i was like well that was a whole lot of stuff that happened yeah and it didn't necessarily move the action forward and it didn't necessarily uh bring us into a new realm of questions it just kind of like closed off a threat for now and i think a lot of people are really really satisfied with that because it read quickly some people's thoughts about the episode and like people loved it and yeah. I saw like a little review of a few review like bylines on different websites. So like this is Preacher's best episode and it. There's finally like a confrontation between Jesse and the saint. And I was like, I mean, yeah, that's true. That did happen. But it, the the sort of resolution of it is is kind of neat. And it gives the saint like a reason to hate Jesse and yeah. want to want to track him down. But I don't know the saint shouldn't necessarily just be in a cage you know what i mean part of what makes him so cool is he's out there yeah and i guess maybe they need a little time i'm sure the end of the season will end with like the the, the the company excavating the truck because it's gps, got GPS yeah right and then that they was o- my first thought. yeah and then they open it and he he kills them all with his bare hands and then, but then he doesn't have his guns you know and the, those are in denise toilet so yeah i don't know just a, a lot of it i was kind of like eh. if he had the guns he'd shoot his way out and just like be fine because you can't stop those guns. Well, it was bulletproof, kind of. Those. Oh, his bullets went through there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing to That's stop fair. those things. That's fair. Uh, yeah, it's it's all fine. It's just uh, this felt like a binge episode. Like I wish I already had another one to watch to erase kind of the sort of n- metallic taste left the, in my mouth. From they're this kind one. of shoots and laddering their way towards the, the like they're finding <laughs> these little pockets of of story that aren't like unimportant or completely unnecessary but they're i assume in the comics they're a little more organically fit into the wider journey so yeah and i guess this is a serialized story so it it can't always have 
immediate resolution, but I would, I would just like to feel where I am in the journey. I feel like when you watch movies, like well-structured movies, you, you get your inciting incident and you, you kind of understand what your character's journey is going to be. And there may be a twist at some point that may take them in another direction, but you at least kind of feel where you are in the scope of things. And in the first season, I kind of felt a little more guidance. I was like, I feel like we have, we're, we're coming to a head this yeah. confrontation with Odin and his, and his gang. And I, I felt momentum and I felt where I was in, in the space. And now I feel like we're halfway through this season and ultimately like nothing has happened. We haven't seen Hairstar. Right. Hell isn't hasn't popped up in a couple episodes, so it's not like we're we're building towards uh, uh, a climax that yeah. is going to be satisfying. And, per I, se. and I'm cool with missing like hell for a few, yeah. Because even the no. same the same with the comic book, you might go a few a few issues without seeing a certain character, yeah. Especially Arseface, like he'll he'll vanish for a while, yeah. And then you follow these other characters, and like I said, Cass actually disappears for a little bit, and then they circle back around to him. And that that's cool, and I understand they're adapting that, and I'm glad they're not trying to fit a bunch of stuff. But something about this one just felt kind of odd, and you know, coupled with like the Victor subplot, I was just yeah. kind of like the whole front half of the season. I'm a little bit like, what are we doing? Yep. Where where are we going? Because I loved the way it started, loved it, loved it. I was like, they're they're on the road, they're looking for God, they're stopping in New Orleans for some clues, and the Saints following them. Kick ass premise for a season. Like, get me going. Here yep. we are. And we're still in New Orleans, and the subplot that's the most interesting of Denis and Cassidy was literally just like word puked out at the end of the scene <laughs> in, this, in this episode. And I was like, whoa, that's awesome. Yeah. And now it's probably just going to move on from that. And while that's okay, because it's like kind of sad and it'll come back around, I'm sure, uh, like that was really interesting. And and the stuff with Lara, um, was it Lara or Laura? It was Lara. Just Laura. Uh, whatever that was really cool and like this this kind of intrigue and mystery was really cool and the victor stuff i was like i can kind of do without it even though it did give us a little bit more on tulip yeah i just feel like they're they're making a lot of decisions that aren't uh they don't feel quite up to snuff maybe they could have spent a little more time working on it or found another avenue of approach that would be more satisfying yeah but it's still good i'm I'm, I'm obviously nitpicking yeah because it's still really good but like the first like two or three episodes of this were just killer yeah they're so good they had they had a momentum to them Absolutely. that we've we've lost in the and past and couple. they they left a lot of things in the dark which was cool and interesting and I wanted to get to some of the answers and now that I have the answers I kind of feel like I don't like them <laughs> I would have rather <laughs> still been like wondering you know what I mean yeah like some of it just feels kind of like oh they locked him in the back of a soul ambulance and now he's at the bottom of the swamp <laughs> cool <laughs> can't wait till he gets out and then he's yep. back on the track and the show's interesting again yeah because they need that force and it's i mean did, did you see the next week on i didn't i didn't watch it and i and i don't necessarily but i i can i can say it like it you know obviously as i said we haven't seen hair star in a while and we know that they're yeah. gonna want genesis or something of yeah that nature i always start watching the next week's on and then like my app launches into the next episode of something so i never see the full thing which is fine <laughs> with me i just get a, i get like a tease of a tease yeah but i did see like hair star front and center so i was yeah. like okay so he's like the he's like the second half of the season threat which is neat but i like when the threats coexist i yeah. think that that's really cool to when, have. when you can feel i'm really building to it right i like i like in the book because hair star and the saint exist at the same time yeah and it's cool when jesse is he zigs away from one and zags right into the other <laughs> like it's awesome storytelling to just to not just have like one big bad but to have like several because part of what's so cool about genesis 
is and and what makes the world so cool is it's not just like these two angels trying to find it there are like many parties yeah. uh, on like an uh, on like another that. plane uh, besides our like day-to-day lives it's almost kind of like a men in black type thing where there's yeah. like this whole another strata of like uh beings here that we don't necessarily recognize everyone gets alerted to this thing and they all want it and so even if you don't meet certain parties until like a little ways in, you find out that they've been there all along and maybe there were clues to them. You just didn't see it. So Hairstar and the Saint of Killers and uh, people that Hairstar works for, but uh, have, an, have their own interests and the angels. And like in season one, we had the other angels coming in there, trying, like the seraphims trying yeah. to get it too. Where are they? Like that was awesome. And I, I get that we don't want to overcrowd this TV show. We want to keep, keep it about the characters and so i like the development we're getting for tulip and cassidy and jesse but it's cool when you know all these threats are there and they're not just like locked away until a more convenient time to bring them back out you know what i mean yeah so maybe i'm asking for an impossible task and maybe this is why so many comics and and like this and like watchmen and etc are considered unfilmable because it's a different medium yeah so there's a treatise on the current state of, <laughs> of preacher a mid-season check i think it's doing really well i do like it a lot but i think the first chunk of the season was really really badass and this just felt a little bit like treading water and saying like here are these characters you care about and here's why you care about them but i i don't think we necessarily needed it you know yeah yeah or at least not as much of it, it like it, it feels like they could have organically dealt with the saint a little more more gradually yeah and, and who knows at the end of the next episode he might get out and he might be possible. back on their heels yeah, yeah it just right now from like you know experience of watching a lot of tv and it feels like they're just kind of like we'll put him away for half a season and focus on a new character yeah which is okay i get it you gotta get, you gotta keep it kind of fresh but it's always fun when he's like he's just there out there, there in the distance he, he could he could show up and at the most inopportune moment it, as it, you described earlier exactly so. All right. But I'm excited for the rest. The yeah. Rest of the season. Me too. I, I can't believe we're already six in. Yeah. We got another seven to go because it's 13. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on G2TPodcast.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. We're G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us at G2TPodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about where the show's at right now or some of the things that we brought up in this episode who you think is on the right track and who isn't. If you do want to write about comic spoilers, that's fine, but put it in the subject so I can just give it to Nick. Yeah, Nick, please do. Don't don't ruin anything yeah, for Alex. Mike has been doing a great job of not ruining anything for me, so I thank him for that. But And nobody else has done anything bad. But if, if you can keep in mind in that, if you are going to write us an email, declare your spoilers well. Uh, but yeah, tell us what you think of our podcast. Share your thoughts on the show. We can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, and HBO's Westworld. Find out more about these shows, as well as how to support the network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Once again, I was on a show called Creative Common Ground. You can find that on Apple Podcasts. Please check it out. Let me know what you think. Tweet at Jameson. I think he'd love to hear from people. And uh, yeah, our theme music is the song All In by The Red Thread, and it is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next episode bring the next episode of Preacher brings us, but until then, go forth and speak the good word.